You're listening to Tap into the Truth. My name's Joe Biden. No man has a right to raise a hand to a woman. And so we have to just change the culture and keep punching at it and punching at it and punching at it. I'm cuckoo, I'm cuckoo. (laughs) Just when I came to the United States Senate 120 years ago, I promise you, the president has a big step. I mean, he has made clear that, uh, 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 my name's Joe Biden. I keep forgetting I'm president. I keep forgetting I'm president. Hello and welcome to today's broadcast of Tap Into The Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing, with all the usual caveats, of course. With you as always, I am your ever so humble and, you know, mostly peaceful host, Tim Tap, coming to you from historic Roan County, Tennessee. Yes, it's historic, it is lovely, it is beautiful, and it was covered in snow for the last couple of days, although uh, certain parts of the county maybe had a a more complete covering than others. Kind of hit and miss, not a whole lot, just enough to make things interesting, and 
just enough to mess with my internet connection and uh, it's kind of kind of wreaked havoc on some of my stuff i i was trying to to work out some uh, stuff to maybe start recording some interviews again and incorporating some guests back into the show and wow i just <laughs> i've been struggling with it but uh, yeah i'm not giving up gonna work on it we will get there we will get guests back on the show at least that's my plan all right uh this past week this past monday specifically it was indeed martin luther king jr day and uh you know as we honored the memory of martin luther king jr i do kind of find it sad that his message has been you know pretty much all but forgotten by all those folks currently claiming to be fighting against racism uh, regardless of how you feel about uh, King, uh, regardless of what you feel like he may have done correct and what he may have done incorrectly, and uh, there's there's plenty of legitimate criticism. There's plenty of not-so-legit criticism. But regardless of all that, there are some things that his message, his message was a good message, a message that should have been heard and should still be listened to today. Because you see, while that message has been forgotten, King sought a future where all people would be judged by their actions, not the color of their skin. And you know, that's literally the exact opposite of the racial essentialism, you know, the stuff that is the basis essentially for critical race theory. It's the exact opposite of the racial essentialism that the so-called anti-racists are preaching today. I mean, King wouldn't be welcome in the modern anti-racist categories. Just, there wouldn't be room for him. He's, he wasn't a race baiter. He didn't peddle racism. He didn't peddle for financial gain any of this. So there wouldn't be room for him. He would probably be on the opposite side of a lot of these folks. He tried to convince us that we could move past racism together by seeing each other for who we are and not what we look like. He did not believe, or at the very least, he didn't publicly acknowledge that he believed that anybody was born a victim or born an oppressor because of the color of their skin. And the sad part is that today, those people who do believe that, or at least those people who purport to believe that, well, they don't do anything to bring us together. They only work to enrich themselves and to keep us divided. So just something to keep in mind not just on MLK Day, which we just observed, but every day, every day moving forward, every day that the left tries to keep us separated, tries to keep us in little boxes, tries to convince you, if you happen to be a person of color, that you are oppressed and that the system is stacked against you. Because the bottom line is that if you 
aren't born wealthy, then the system is stacked against you, and it doesn't matter what color your skin is. There are obstacles in front of all of us, and even those who are born wealthy have no guarantees of success. In this country, even today, in modern America, regardless of skin tone, your success depends largely on your effort and your preparation. How much time you put in, how much you educate yourself, how much you move forward. Now, these are points that I made in an article that I wrote this past Friday that was printed, uh, published at two different sites, not just one. One on Sunday over at Flag and Cross, and then as of today was published, today being Tuesday, uh, for those of you that are listening to the rebroadcast, it's a Tuesday. It was published today over at Conservative Daily Briefing, a site ran by my friend Ken Crow, who's been a guest on the show multiple times. Uh, so thanks to both organizations for publishing. Uh, I greatly appreciate it. Uh, it's, it's an honor to be, uh, to be included on either site. But to be on both, uh, that is a special very special feeling, uh, quite honestly. And uh, while I'm on the topic, before we delve into the new stuff, I was planning on on talking about that article and uh, giving you a big chunk of it. So, uh, what do you say? I just go ahead and do that now. the uh, The title is uh, "In the Name of Equity: The Left Won Our Children." Now, uh, so here we go. In recent years, we found ourselves having to ask the question, why have the political left stopped fighting for equality and began the pursuit of equity? The answer, of course, is the same as it always is when the political left can't win an argument. They must change the language. Now, I'm confident that part of the change in word usage is because very few conservatives, if any, disagree with the idea of equality for all. There is also the fact that the political left prefers to have issues to run campaigns on, you know, rather than solutions to problems. Because, you know, solutions are a little more challenging than just pointing at a problem and saying, oh, look over there whether that problem is merely perceived or if it's real. And often, implementing an actual solution would require having to admit that leftist policies don't work. However, a closer look at the meaning of equity and equality as used by the left should be taken before we go any further in this discussion. You see, equity, as it relates to racial and social justice, that means allocating resources and opportunities to create equal outcomes for all. Now, I'd be remiss if I didn't point out that no method exists that is capable of producing equal outcomes other than misery. There are factors that contribute to personal outcomes under our current system like time and effort a person puts into a pursuit. Uh, 
education acquired, blind luck, and yes, resources available before beginning a pursuit. So, the only way to create equal outcomes is to forcibly take resources from those and from those who have them and deny educational opportunities to those who would maximize them. And even then, there's still no way to account for the pure luck part of the equation. In taking these things from some to give to others, you only reduce everyone's standard of living without guaranteeing any increase of success for those who receive the resources or the opportunities given. If someone isn't prepared to make the most of what they have, they're likely to squander it. Just give someone something that they've never had before and didn't earn themselves, they're likely to lose it. The left, of course, will deny the last statement, but they also have no explanation as to how previously poor lottery winners who hit multi-million dollar jackpots can be broke within a few years. Now, equality, again related to racial and social justice, well, equality means each individual or group of people is given the same opportunities regardless of their starting circumstances. Now, this is the idea that the American Civil Rights Movement was based on. The view, so eloquently expressed by Martin Luther King Jr., of people being judged by the content of their character and not the color of their skin. The idea is often paired with the idea that if a person earns something, they should be the ones to decide how it's used, not some outside entity like the government. In a world that will never be entirely fair, whatever you may believe that to, to mean, equality really is the closest to fair that anyone should reasonably expect. Now, I point out the difference in meaning because some on the left are now using their idea of equity as the basis to steal the hearts and minds of our most valuable asset – our children. In a column that I honestly first thought to be in the vein of Jonathan Swift, Joe Matthews, a leftist California politico who serves as co-president of the Global Forum on Modern Direct Democracy, uh, he made the case that equity demands parents give up their children to the state. Matthews was of course, in this article, he was challenging comments that had been made by Supreme Court Justice Amy Cody Barrett uh, in her efforts to discuss abortion. Justice Barrett had said that safe haven laws exist in all 50 states now and that these laws essentially invalidate the old burdens of parenthood uh, criteria that played a significant role in the decisions of both Roe versus Wade and Planned Parenthood versus Casey. Matthews, for the sake of his proposal, defined equity to be the goal of creating a just society completely free from bias, and then he attacked what he called the power of parents over children uh, versus the ability of the state to influence children. He dabbled a bit in class warfare and even made reference to Plato and Socrates uh, in an attempt to 
add gravitas to his modest proposal. Now, if you wonder if handing your kids over to the state might be a good idea, well, then you don't need to look any further than the Boston public school system's current policy of keeping classroom windows open four inches to mitigate the spread of COVID. Out of fear of the Omicron variant, the school system requires all classrooms to keep their windows open in the middle of a Massachusetts winter. The teachers having no say in the matter, and they're forced to follow the orders from the bureaucrats. Now, does this, does this sound to you like the state is capable of making the best decisions for the children? And, uh, you know, don't even get me started on the whole Loudoun County, Virginia school board fiasco. So, yes, at first I did think that Matthew's article must be satire. Until I saw who he really is and what he's working to achieve. The leftists in this country, well, they're angry. They're angry that way too many of us are still teaching our children traditional conservative values. They can't stand that there are still people who question them or, or point out their failures in logic. Or even worse still, when we point out their hypocrisy. The left is growing impatient, and Matthews is just another leftist who's done with the incrementalism and has started saying the quiet part out loud. I implore you, ladies and gentlemen, listen to what they speak or write. They mean what they're saying. Now, like I said, you can find that either at flagandcross.com or you can find it at conservativedailybriefing.com I'll put a link to one of them, whichever one's going to work better in the show description uh, but I highly recommend you visit both uh, because that of course helps the traffic flow on both websites and uh, it continues to convince them that uh, publishing my articles might be worthwhile <laughs> so there's my op-ed and uh, it really is a case where I'm sure by now, if you listen to other conservative outlets, you probably heard some some discussion about Matthews and his article. It raised a lot of eyebrows. Now, I came across it, and like I said, I wrote this back this previous Friday, and I didn't start hearing about it from other outlets until uh, later in the day on Friday or over the weekend, and then again on Monday, I heard some folks discussing it. So this was clearly something that was making the rounds. A lot of folks had come across it. And what stands out is this guy's 100% legit in his discussion. He talked about the need to, to take students. And if you're not going to turn them over to the state, then we just have to put our children into homes with parents who are the opposite of who you are. If you're a poor family, then your kids need to go stay with a rich family, and their kids need to come stay with you, and you raise them. Somehow that's going to better prepare them for a future of understanding, whereas your kids who are coming from the poor house and now living in the rich house are going to have all the advantages of having been rich 
how does that achieve equity in any real fashion? You're not doing away with bias. You're not changing the feeling of the parents towards their own children or towards the children that have been forced upon them. And you're not changing the equation uh, because now you just have different kids who have those advantages and a different set of kids that don't. Now, I suppose the effort here is the statement that, well, the rich people now are going to have more interest in trying to help the poor people elevate themselves. That's the argument. But can you count on that? Can you believe that that's truly what's going to happen? Because, again, if they're going to treat the children you have delivered to them any differently than they would have treated the children they had, then your experiment fails right out the gate. There's no longer an interest in the children you've taken because if they follow through, then in their minds, those aren't their children anymore. The ones you brought to them are now their children. This old adage of it takes a village is very little more than an effort to steal away your children to begin with. Now, we've known for some time now that that's one of the major objectives, that they want to control young people's minds at an earlier and earlier age. They want to convince them that by listening to them, the learned leftist, uh, instead of listening to mom and dad, that that would make the children immediately smarter than mom and dad. We've seen them do this. This is also why they continue to push forward racial essentialism in classrooms and try to pretend like they're not teaching CRT. That essentially is the backbone of CRT. When I saw what this man was working for, let me go back and remind you what it is that he does. He's currently serving as co-president of the Global Forum on Modern Direct Democracy. Now, leftists are never going to put it like this, but we talk about direct democracy all the time here. This is a pleasant-sounding word for mob rule. Direct democracy is not a system that bodes well for minorities. You're not going to help anybody except the majority. The problem is this guy, just like most other leftists, has this mistaken viewpoint that just because their side tends to be the loudest that they have become the majority. Well, boys and girls, let me ask you this. If you've become the majority, how is it that a 50-50 split Senate still isn't just running rubshod over the Republicans? Why is it a 50-50 split Senate with Kamala Harris getting to pass the tie-breaking vote, to cast that tie-breaking vote whenever there is a tie? Why is it you're not just passing everything left and right? Why is it, oh, well, because of the filibuster, Tim, and, uh, you know, you, you can only uh, force straight votes without the filibuster on financial things. Okay, fair enough. Filibuster says you got to get to 60. But if you're the majority, why would be that be that hard? Because you always have a third of the Senate 
up for re-election every two years, right? So if you're now the majority, that would, by definition, force the Republicans who want to be re-elected and force them to move somewhat to the left. By definition. But here's the thing. The majority is pretty clearly going the other direction because you got 50 senators, you've got half of the senators, but you have at least two, at least two, uh, several of these issues, more than the two, but you got two that keep standing up more than uh, others in Joe Manchin and Krista Cinema. They stand up because in their districts, in their home, if they voted with what the Democrats on the national level are wanting to pass through, they couldn't get reelected. And if these leftists are truly the majority, why would that be the case? Why would it even be close? Why would there be such a thing as a purple state anywhere? I mean, they could be the majority and there could still be red states, but if they're the majority... Why do you have any states that are a 50-50 mix? Because wouldn't the majority win out in a state that's pretty close to even? Now, granted, there's I'm oversimplifying, and there's several scenarios where you could completely have the majority, and that'd still be the case. I get that. I mean, based on the voting habits of certain cities... In this country, you can carry certain states. And when you carry those certain states, again, because of the population within those cities, you can do extremely well in an election. So the majority is really in how you break it down, right? So direct democracy takes all that out of the equation. It means no more protection for minorities, though. By definition, they can play it up any other way. They can spin it any way they want. At the end of the day, direct democracy means only the majority decides. And while folks are okay with that when they're pretty sure their side's going to win, they're not so okay with it if there's not much chance of the winning on a straight up and down vote. But hey, what else can you say? Okay, we're getting really close to the uh, mid-hour break already, so we'll uh, we'll not take it there just yet. But would like to kind of touch on a couple of things that I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time talking about today. Starting with the FBI and their botching of this hostage situation in Texas. Now, I'm sure by now you've had this pretty much talked to death to you, but yeah, it, it still, I feel weird to say something. I feel like it's incumbent upon me to make an observation or two, even though it's probably the same observations you've already heard. The FBI comes out and tries to play this off like it's not a terrorist event and like there was no actual targeting of the Jewish community. That might be a little easier to believe there, guys, if uh, if this individual who seemed to want the release of lady terrorist, this guy had 
I don't know, if he had targeted a mosque, then you might be able to say that he wasn't very specific in who he targeted. If he had simply targeted a mall or a schoolhouse, a, a public school, if he had targeted some other simple, easy, soft target that has no religious inclinations whatsoever, then maybe you could make that statement. But there's a reason why he went to a synagogue during service. It was part of the plan. He did target them. And he targeted them partially because he intended to martyr himself and he intended to take some people with him. Therefore, he would prefer that be some of those Jewish folks. So what was the point? Was this a well-intended effort to try and downplay a situation? Is this more political spin since obviously this guy was not a U.S. national despite being here? And right now the, the Justice Department is so focused on domestic terrorism that even though this happened here, it wasn't carried out by uh, some right-winger that has a Second Amendment fetish. No, uh, it wasn't some uh, Trump supporter that rolled up out of the deep, deep South and trying to to be a all about Trump is retaking the country kind of. No, he didn't fit the narrative. And the narrative here is this guy was a Muslim. Now, remember, they didn't want to bring up his name at all at first. This guy was a Muslim, he targeted Jews, and he wanted a terrorist released. Or at least that was what he claimed. This guy wanted to martyr himself more than anything else. I don't believe he truly expected to be successful in getting what he wanted. But, eh, throw out a demand, see what happens. And given this administration, crazier things have been known to happen. So, there's one thing that I'm not going to spend much time on, but here's here's the, the deal. The FBI can come out and say whatever they like. It's not going to change anything. It just shows not necessarily that they're out of touch, just that their agenda is not the same as what we believe the FBI's agenda to be. Now, if, if you're like me, then you believe that the FBI's agenda, or at least what their agenda should be is to go out and investigate certain types of crime that fall under the jurisdiction of this federal agency. Nothing more, nothing less. That's just simply not what we get these days, is it? All right, so with that having been said, let's go ahead, do the mid-hour break, and on the other side... We will be right back. I'm Ron Edwards, host of the Edwards Notebook, and you're listening to Tim Tap and Tap Into the Truth. Why are leftists in Canada and elsewhere so afraid of biblical truth when it comes to man and woman? 
Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, brought to you by Constitutional Browns Coffee, subversive leftist activists, educators, and politicians continue to wage their demonic, bigoted war against God. God created both man and woman and commissioned them to be fruitful and multiply. It was self-evident that just like humans cannot marry and have pig babies any more than pigs can procreate and bring forth male and female humans, human beings can only bring forth male or female human beings, despite that biblical and scientific truth. Socialist Canadian officials have passed Bill C-4, which states that the Bible's teaching on sexuality and gender is now defined as myth under Canadian law. Canadian Prime Minister Trudeau's government has now effectively criminalized Christian beliefs and continues to harass, lock up, and in some cases beat Christian ministers for obeying God and preaching the gospel. I have a feeling that this will not bode well for old Canada in the long run. I'm Ron Edwards. Constitutional Grounds Coffee, simply go to theronedwards.com. Ron Edwards, the new voice of America. Hello, this is Dan Perkins for your Songs and Stories for Soldiers Veterans Tip of the Day. What veterans who are homeless or at risk of homelessness should do for help? Veterans who are homeless or at imminent risk of homelessness are strongly encouraged to contact the National Call-In Center for Homeless Veterans at 877-4-AID. Vet. That's 877-424-3838 for assistance. If a veteran does not have access to a phone or the internet, only then are they to visit the closest VA medical center without calling in advance. All veterans should contact their VA medical center before visiting for any reason. These steps are necessary to prevent the spread of COVID-19. So here's your veterans tip of the day. Contact the VA at 877-424-3838 for more information. The VA wants to help. This has been your Songs and Stories for Soldiers, Veterans Tip of the Day. Anything to report? Uh, successful dump. I dropped everything at the dump. It all worked out. And by the way, I got a second load. Guys, come in. Anybody wants to help me unload? My mother believed and my father believed that if I wanted to be president of the United States, I could be, I could be vice president. My mother and father believed. Look, John's last minute economic plan does nothing to tackle the number one job facing the middle class. And it happens to be, as Barack says, a three letter word. Jobs. J-O-B-S. Jobs. Joe, you want to administer the oath? Am I doing this again? For the senior, senior staff. staff. Yes. All right. A number of cabinet members. members have already. <laughs> My memory is not as good as Justice Roberts. Chief Justice Roberts. Does, does anyone have the... No, I... And thank you, uh... Dr. Pepper, and thank you, Chancellor, or Dr. Paper, and thank you, Chancellor. But the Taoiseach knows a lot about it. His mom uh, lived in uh, in Long Island for 10 years or so. Uh, God rest her soul. And uh, um, although she's, wait, your mom's still, your mom's still alive as your dad passed. God bless her soul. I got to get this straight.
All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so very much for staying with me through that very brief break. Before we get back into the action of today's uh, show, as we continue to discuss the world, or at least this part of it, I want to remind you that um, if you now have gotten past the holiday binge, if you're not not looking to, to get carried away as we move on towards Valentine's Day, which is the next big candy holiday, uh, or maybe you're trying to, to ease up before you get there, looking for a way to satisfy your sweet tooth without without going overboard I would recommend you get the uh, candy bar that they try to claim isn't you know what I'm talking about I'm talking about Built Bar Built Bar is awesome it is a protein bar it is uh, low in sugar it's uh, low in saturated fats it's got lots of great flavors and it's a candy bar I don't care what they say protein bars do not taste this good it's just that simple all right, so here's the deal. There's going to be a link in the show description uh, if you are interested at all whatsoever in uh, checking it out. I would highly recommend you go ahead and visit Built Bar. Uh, follow the link. What I'm going to ask you to do is to copy that link in its entirety, paste that into your web browser, and then go visit the fine, fine folks over at Built Bar. And if you use that link... They will then uh, be very much aware that it's I who sent you, and hopefully they will uh, they will enjoy and appreciate the fact that I sent you. If you decide to make a purchase there, again, make sure you're using that link, and uh, by virtue of me having sent you, uh, I'll get a very small commission, just a tiny commission. It's not a lot, and it's, it doesn't affect what you're paying one way or the other. I just get a little cred for sending you that way. But even if you don't make a purchase, if you continue to visit and you continue to use the link, uh, then they continue to see that at least there is justification for being affiliated with this show because they continue to send traffic their way. So I know it's it's a small ask. It's a bother. It's a bother. But trust me, Bill Bar is worth it. You will love this stuff if you order it. I will promise you that. And if you happen to be listening on terrestrial radio, for example, where the show description isn't directly in front of you at this very moment, then a little bit later, easy, simple thing to remember, visit me over at tapintothetruth.com. That's T-A-P-P, into the truth, all one word, dot com. And uh, from there, you'll see banners that you can click on, uh, and it'll take you there, and it will also let them know that I sent you. So it works just the same. So you guys have no excuses not to help me out, okay? That's what I'm really telling you. And you'll be helping yourself out. I promise you're going to like it. Built Bar is actually good for you. But it tastes great. Okay. Enough of that. Uh, let's get back into the discussions. We also uh, had Joe Biden give a big speech where he was so upset that so many of us just aren't listening. And uh, we talked a little bit about his trip to Georgia and his voting rights, that's what he called it, speech and how off the rails it was. But what really kind of merits discussing it a little further and only a little further because again it's still par for the course at this point but his assertion 
that there was nothing partisan about that speech. He literally said that anybody that disagreed with him is freaking a Nazi. <laughs> he said, you're, you're a bigot, you're a hater, you're a Nazi, you're, you're all these terrible, terrible things. You're racist, and you're horrible, and you're detestable, and all these other things. He literally said that, and then turns right around and says, uh, but it's not partisan. Jin Saki trying, trying to deflect in the same fashion, staying with that line. The speech was nonpartisan. How exactly is it that you define partisan politics then? I really want to know how do you define partisanship? When you attack the people that disagree with you politically in such a fashion, that's certainly not unifying. It's certainly not bringing the people together, you know, kind of like we were promised. That is partisan. One other thing that uh, is certainly noteworthy that you're getting your fair share of that discussion, I know, and that's the NBA owner who made the statement that nobody cares about the Uyghurs. The Uyghurs, uh, nobody cares. That's below my line. Of all the things I'm concerned about, that's below my line. You know what is at his line? Profitability. The Chinese market offers a high level of profitability. Now, once upon a time in this country, it would matter the source of your profit. And it took a really corrupt business person to be willing to take shortcuts to get where they're going. And even worse, a morally questionable business person to do business with people they knew were doing horrible, terrible things to people. That, however, is no longer the prevailing attitude when it comes to business, at least by the folks on the left. See, they're perfectly content continuing to accuse any conservative business person of doing unethical, horrific things. But when they themselves are doing it, uh, again, uh, their profits justify it. Again, this shouldn't be surprising anybody. The only surprising part is that this guy's, once again, like a lot of other leftists, said the quiet part out loud. Like a lot of these folks, they believe they're the smartest people in the room, and they believe they have some innate information, some deep knowledge that you, the unwashed masses, simply do not have. And they believe it's their responsibility to educate us about such things. And uh, the thing that matters most here is that, according to him, no one cares about the Uyghurs. Well, there was, um, there's a word for folks that put profits above the lives of people. There's, there's a word for people that don't care that a specific ethnic group of folks are being forced into slave labor, are being forcibly in camps, are being forcibly sterilized. I can't say that word over radio airwaves. But you know. And you're welcome to add or make up any new words you would like to, but um, it's just... Um, 
well, it's just hypocrisy at its finest. Eh, we, I care about climate change, but uh, not about the Uyghurs. Really, I think the Uyghurs are a more pressing problem than climate change, because climate change is a gradual thing, and it's happening all the time anyway. And despite our best efforts, there's only so much we can do about it. <gasps> yeah, there. Darn it. I, I said it. How dare I? How dare I? All right, in the meanwhile, uh, kind of touched a little bit of this in the Edwards Notebook. That's part of why I chose that specific one. Uh, because there's these ongoing things in Canada right now. I, I don't spend as much time as I used to talking about things going on in Canada, partially because Kel isn't with us anymore, and I don't have her coming down here to be my Canadian correspondent. And, you know, I, I miss her deeply, not because of that fact, but that was a primary driving force why I would spend as much time looking at Canada and where they're at as I did in the past. Uh, a lot of the globalist, leftist, who-be-what's-it was on full display there. And so it served as a good warning, a, a bellwether, if you will. Uh, canary in the coal mine, too. But this, uh, this new Canadian law, one called C4... It outlies so-called conversion therapy, which, according to how it is defined in the law, uh, constitutes any counseling or advising against transgender or non-binary identity or non-heterosexual sexuality, even if the young person or adult requested that particular advice. So, bottom line here is, they've already attacked Christians in Canada using this law and threatening them. But this, uh, this new Canadian law, it bans any counseling whatsoever that advocates for the Christian standard that sex is reserved for one man and one woman within marriage. It also criminalizes any instruction confirming that human beings are created as wholly male or female from birth. Now, I know it doesn't make for great radio, but I'm going to read a little bit of the text from the law. It defines conversion therapy in the following. In sections 320.102 through sections 320.104, Conversion therapy means a practice, treatment, or service designed to A. Change a person's sexual orientation to heterosexuality. B. Change a person's gender identity to cisgender. C. Change a person's gender expression so that it conforms to the sex assigned to the person at birth. D. Repress or reduce non-heterosexual attraction or sexual behavior. E. Repress a person's non-cisgender identity. Or F. Repress or reduce a person's gender expression that does not conform to the sex assigned to the person at birth. Now, uh, notably, 
Influence of person's sexuality or gender identity is only considered conversion therapy when it falls in line with biblical teachings. Now, if you're influencing a minor or an adult to be gay, non-binary, or transgender, well, that's perfectly acceptable. It's a lot like the NBA uh, owners and the NBA's uh, the Golden State Warriors statement about nobody caring about the Wickers. The owner came out, uh, the owner guy, he's a low percentage owner. He came out, he made a statement trying to clarify, saying, I know what sounded like this. You know what was missing from his statement? He never once called out China or said anything about the Uyghurs in his statement. You know what was missing in the Golden State Warriors uh, statement about it? Oh, this owner is a minority owner and he does not speak for the organization in any fashion. <clears throat> you know what was missing from their statement? Eh, nothing about China, nothing about the Uyghurs. You know what's missing in this statement? This Canadian law? That an effort to try and uh, offer up this idea that, uh, you know, we know it's kind of trendy now to be uh, bi or trans, and we know that to be the case because it's everywhere. The social engineering is occurring in ridiculous rates, but uh, there's, there's nothing wrong with the effort to socially engineer kids into being confused and thinking it's okay to do this, the problem is when you try to undo it. The problem is when you try to say, I know you're watching the CW, and from watching the CW, uh, you would probably come to the conclusion that half of the country is gay and a third of the country is trans, when still putting them all together, they're uh, desperately clinging to something close to a 2% of the total population. Not that that matters as far as should they have rights, blah, 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 but it still matters in how they're going about trying to normalize it. For greater certainty, this definition does not include a practice, treatment, or service that relates to the exploration or development of an integrated personal identity, such as a practice, treatment, or service that relates to a person's gender transition, and that is not based on an assumption that a particular sexual orientation, gender identity, or gender expression is to be preferred over another. This is in the legislation. So for greater certainty, the definition doesn't include specifics because they want it to be broad. They want it to be able to say, well, you know, there's a lot of things that fall under this. Basically, if we feel like that's what you're trying to do, then we're going to treat it like that's what you're trying to do. Problem is, those who disobey this particular law, they could face up to five years in prison. Again, from the law, everyone who knowingly causes another person to undergo conversion therapy, including by providing conversion therapy to that other person, is guilty of an indictable offense and liable to imprisonment for a term of not more than five years or guilty of an offense punishable on summary conviction. So the bottom line is, at least at the moment, they're maxing out this law at five years. Prominent 
Pastor James Coates said that the law essentially criminalizes evangelicalism. Uh, Matt Walsh over at the Daily Wire showcased the law via social media, which sparked some outrage from conservatives. So congratulations to folks paying attention to Matt. Matt uh, using that reach he has. Good for him. Said that Canada's new law declares that you are guilty of conversion therapy and subject to five years in prison if you counsel, if you console, console your biological male child to accept his male identity. Authoritarian child destroying lunacy is what Ben Shapiro had to say about that. Notice I'm hanging out with the Daily Wire folks over here. It's legal under this law to convert children to the LGBT plus QR LMNOP uh, wonky symbol ampersand carrot emoji. Uh, it's perfectly legal to recruit them to there, but people always say that that would happen. They were called crazy. You're a bunch of crazy people using the slippery slope fallacy. But here we are. We're at what appears to be the bottom of that slope here in Canada because now it's a crime if you want to tell your kid, hey, you know what? Maybe you should at least try for a little bit longer to, to be how you were born. So if your kid feels insecure or confused with their gender or sexuality, you can only get therapy if they convert to the identity that's anything but the biological norm. That's not therapy. That's conversion and co coercion. Uh, there's just, there's no two ways to put it. This is a dangerous law. Now, we've known for a while that they were looking to move in this general direction. We know that the leftists in Canada, they want this full globalist thing. They want to play like they are an ally to this minority. But again, the agenda is not to help these people. The agenda is to cause confusion. The agenda is to tear down the norms. To destroy conservative ideology. To destroy conservative traditional families. That's what's at play here. They need the families to be broken. They need Christianity. They need all religion, but Christianity first, to be replaced. Because they have their own religion. They're statists. They want you to believe in the state. And sometimes they will hide their faith in the form of the green church. Oh, we must protect Mother Earth. Climate change is going to destroy us all, and it's all because of a bunch of people trying to make a buck. Uh, uh, taking notes over there, NBA? Just trying to make a buck isn't uh, a viable excuse to ignore people's suffering. Just saying. Now, you know, it's just, we must believe in the green. Sometimes it's the, the church of racial identity. We must believe. 
We must believe that if you are a certain color, you are locked in to a certain existence. If you happen to be Caucasian, then you are an oppressor. And just recognizing that you're an oppressor, it's a good first step, but you will never be clean. You will never, never find yourself at a point where you are redeemed. You must simply keep trying. You must give up your whiteness. Give everything that you have earned through your white privilege to someone who is not white. Oh, and brothers and sisters of color, don't you dare believe for a second that you are capable of success in this country because the system is against you and all the white people are against you. Yeah, regardless of what denomination of the faith that uh, you happen to, to fall into if you happen to be uh, believing these morons, is all still a branch of the same religion, the religion of the state. The state must take care of you. Put the state above all else. The state is the ultimate authority. Except it ain't. Okay? That's all I'm saying. All right, that's uh, going to have to be where I leave this first hour, so we're going to reset the hour since the overwhelming majority of you find folks that listen on terrestrial radio typically only get to show in one-hour increments. So we're going to reset. So for those of you that I'm saying goodbye to today, remember, don't take my word for it. Definitely, definitely don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort, and most importantly, use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. In the meanwhile, stay as safe as you can, stay healthy if you can, and uh, be smart out there, even if it goes against your nature. This is Tim Tapp. Let's go, Brandon. Hey. Let's go, Brandon. Hey. Let's go, let's go. Hey. Let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. You know what they say, Let's go, Brandon. She was from a blue state clan, taught to pray. Union saved the working class. He was raised a red state son to love the flag and own a gun. Warned about the greed within the mass. They met beneath the moonlit sky, a college party drunk and high. And when they had degrees, they said their vows. And he couldn't say when. Couldn't say how, couldn't say why She was different in his eyes They built careers and had a kid Tried to live like their parents did But both their parties taxed them close to death They learned to hate the public schools Watch TV making fools While trial lawyers looted what was left She, she couldn't say when She couldn't say how She couldn't say why He was different in her eyes Saw them years ago A happy little cabin in the west They So much more from so much less 
Come on, man. All men and women created by go. You know the you know the thing. Lime dog face pony soldier. I got hairy legs. Welcome to today's broadcast of Tap Into the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing, with all the usual caveats, of course. With you, as always, I am your ever so humble and, you know, mostly peaceful host. And I am coming to you from Roan County, Tennessee. That's the historic, the lovely, the beautiful Roan County, Tennessee, where you can find such fantastic cities as Harriman and Rockwood and Kingston and uh, the Midtown community and Oliver Springs and even part of Oak Ridge, the secret city, uh, part of the part of the Manhattan Project. Yes, yes, here in Roan County, we're just a little, a little ways from Knoxville, so you got a pretty good idea of where we're at. And uh, we've had a little snow on the ground, which is. Not exactly common for this time of year in this part of the country, so obviously it's just been kind of fun for most of us. 
for those of you who get plenty of snow all the time, I know it's not a big deal for you. In fact, it becomes a nuisance, but we see it so rarely. And our biggest issues, unfortunately, is we have so little experience with it that sometimes road conditions get a little crazy. And when the roads get a little messy and you pair that with the hills and curves and all the crazy stuff that our back roads have to deal with, it, it is a little harder around here. Uh, so anyway, we've, uh, we've been doing all this great stuff. This is MLK Day week. Uh, of course, it's Martin Luther King Jr. Day back on Monday of this particular week. And for those of you that are listening to the rebroadcast of the show, if you're getting to hear this, this is the second hour of a live broadcast that took place on January 18th. That is Tuesday. Glad to have you here, as always. It's a lot of fun uh, to, to get on behind this microphone and to, I'm a little behind on getting some uh, programming recorded and up in, uh, to the radio stations. Uh, I've had technological issues that have resulted. Uh, my internet connection has been so intermittent here to, due to weather-related issues because, again, uh, trying to keep everybody connected. It's a big deal. Uh, and again, I'm not upset at the technicians or the folks that are out in the cold fighting to try and make it happen. Uh, it's just, it's irritating when it delays my schedule. And it also delays me from getting together with you. So, so it's just, it just makes me a little miffed. So I guess it's just time to get on to summertime weather and uh, making sure that I have no thunderstorms to knock the power off while I'm trying to do that. That would be, that'd be great. <laughs> anyway, with that having been said, uh, no shortage of things going on. Now, back in the first hour, if for some reason you missed it, I uh, read to you uh, my thoughts about uh, on Martin Luther King Jr. Day, how sad it is that the so-called anti-racists have all but forgotten his message. Uh, worth going back and listening to that. I also read to you uh, an article that I wrote back on Friday of last week, and it got published over the weekend at flagandcross.com, and then published again, picked up by a secondary outlet, published uh, today on Tuesday, uh, January 18th, uh, over at conservativedailybriefing.com. Uh, so I would recommend you visit either one of those, take a peek. Uh, you might have to go up to the little window and uh, put in that search for Tim Tap, and you might still have to scroll. But you were looking for a title that is the same title of today's broadcast. When when you see the the podcast version, if, if that's where you're at, uh, the title is the same. In the name of equity, the left are coming for our children. Uh, so, you know, just be on the lookout for that. Give it a read if you don't mind. And uh, you know, if you like it, uh, go ahead and hit like, uh, share it on social media, help spread it, uh, help drive some traffic to those sites, and, uh, you know, uh, help me out a little too. Uh, spread the word. Make me famous. <laughs> anyway, there's that going on. And speaking of being famous, there's a few minor stories that I kind of want to touch on a little bit, uh, having to do with Martin Luther King Jr. Day this this past Monday. Janet Yellen, uh, she decided to, as so many politicians do, try to make the most. Yeah, it's interesting. Now, and some people have accused me and other 
talk show hosts are doing the same thing. Like, well, you guys try to capitalize on these holidays and days of remembrance. And it's like, well, we try to capitalize on drawing attention to some things. Yes. But we don't try to bamboozle you. Of course, if you happen to be a leftist, you probably believe that that's exactly what you're trying to do. Here you are, uh, trying to bamboozle me, trying to make me believe that conservative ideology might be a good thing. How dare you? Well, I'll tell you, it's pretty easy, really, because it, it's true. Conservative ideology is good. Uh, it is a certifiable good, which of course is why the left spends so much time trying to convince you that there's no such thing as good and evil. While you should be able to believe in something like uh, a vampire that falls in love with a, a human and, and that makes it okay and that that vampire will fight for humans instead of the monsters. Uh, yeah, Why do they want you to believe that? Whether it's uh, whether it's Barnabas Collins from Dark Shadows, the Angel from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and then his own show, or uh, uh, the the Collinses from the stupid uh, what? Now I can't even think of the name. Uh, Breaking Dawn, Eclipse, New Moon. What were those <laughs> series of books and uh, then movies? I, I now I'm really embarrassed because it's just not coming to me. Uh, but uh, Twilight, yeah, that's it, the Twilight series. They want you to believe that these monsters aren't really monsters. They're just misunderstood. So I much prefer that you watch The Witcher. Uh, if if you haven't canceled your Netflix subscription yet, The Witcher has a new season available now. And with The Witcher, you have all these monsters going on, and they basically want you to question how do you define what a monster is. I prefer you ponder that question than to just say, well, you know, not every monster is really bad. Not every demon is terrible demon. Is it? Yeah, if you're a demon, yeah, you, you're, you're not a good thing. Now, it can be entertaining, and as long as you're strong-minded and strong-willed enough to know that this is fiction... And don't let it seep into your brain as far as thinking that, well, maybe it's real. Then, then you'll be okay. Don't let the social engineering work. But, again, going over to The Witcher where you're just being challenged with the question, how do you define a monster? Well, that's that's different entirely. Now, it still can lead to some of the same uh, intellectual dissidents. But at the end of the day, it makes a good point that just because you're human doesn't mean you're not a monster. <laughs> that's that's really what you're looking for there. So I'd much rather you deal with it in that fashion if your entertainment has to be part of your moral compass. Personally, I hope that's not the case for most of you, but uh, that is the way. So uh, anyway, Janet Yellen uh, decided that uh, she was going to take advantage of MLK Day. And she gave a speech where she essentially said that the American economic system has never worked for black Americans. It's never worked for black people. Um, I look around, I see people like Oprah and LeBron James and Will Smith and Snoop Dogg and you know a lot of professional athletes, a lot of musicians, uh, a lot of other folks acting in Hollywood. I see a lot of these folks now. 
I see them. Somebody like Morgan Freeman, somebody like Denzel Washington. And I wonder, are, are the political left going to go tell these people that, no, our economic system didn't work for them, so they're not allowed to be rich? Can't be rich. Our system doesn't work for you. Are, are, is is Janet going to go? Now, make no mistake, Janet Yellen, given half a chance, will go take every dollar from every average citizen that she can and then just hand it over to the government after she takes a little off the top. Make no mistake about it. That is something she would very much like to do. So if the government said, hey, we're going to give you uh, the authority to go do this, oh, she would jump on that in a second. Do not get it twisted, boys and girls. That is what she would love to do. But to make a statement so ridiculous is to completely ignore the reality of what they refer to as capitalism, what we would prefer just be an open market. You know, a free market economy is what we're supposed to have. We do not have a free market economy. There are still too many regulations in place. And that doesn't mean that all the regulations are bad. Some of them actually are pretty good, but most of them are not. It doesn't matter. We don't have a free market, not a true free market. Now, we're still closer to a free market here in the United States than most other places around the world are. And that is why we are generally wealthier. It's not because, as the left would have you believe, that we're taking advantage of people, that we're just doing this, that, the other. No, no, no. Trust me, the economic system works. The question is, are you working? That's, that's the difference. Now, uh, granted, there are some folks out there that are doing very, very well uh, because they inherited large sums of money from someone else who put in the work. But still, somebody put in the work. Did LeBron James, as much as I disagree with him politically, did he become a wealthy NBA basketball player by being lazy? No, he, he worked. Put in the work to hone his skills and become King LeBron, which is utterly ridiculous to call him that. And LeBron, given his clear political IQ, probably really should take the advice that was offered to him the first time he started spouting off on Twitter. Uh, just shut up and dribble. It's good because there's this old adage that would definitely apply to you, sir. And that adage, of course, is, "'Tis better to be silent and have people think you a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt." Uh, gotta love those old adages. Uh, <laughs> very, very old. And there's a reason why it's hung around as long as it has, and that's because there's a lot of truth to it. So, not so much, as far as truth is concerned, when it comes to Janet Yellen and her assertion that, oh, if you're a person of color, this system doesn't work for you. Yes, it works for you. It works for everyone. And it doesn't automatically equate to just hard work uh, and your effort. But uh, there is a little bit of luck involved. And, uh, you know, some networking comes in handy, too. Uh, you got to make some good friends as you climb the ladder. Not everybody can profit as much as, say, I don't know, maybe maybe Dr. Anthony Fauci, for example. Okay, uh, so now, Tim, what are you talking about? Sure, we already know that he's the highest paid 
government employee, but surely, surely if you're going to make a statement like that, you mean something else. And yes, you would be correct. I do mean something else. Uh, headline here that is worth discussing. Watchdog Group uh, says that Fauci has handsomely profited during the pandemic. So now, the CEO of a watchdog group claimed this week that Dr. Anthony Fauci, second greatest doctor of all time, right behind Dr. Jill Biden, uh, Fauci, who serves as the director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, well, he has handsomely profited during the pandemic. So we're talking about the guy who heads up the government watchdog group, OpenTheBooks.com. And uh, Adam, and I'm not going to attempt his last name because I will only butcher it horribly, but Adam was uh, talking with Fox News, and he was talking about the organization's legal battle to get Fauci's financial and personal history records and fighting what, ostensibly, is a backlog at the National Institute of Health. The discourse, and well, I'm sorry, the disclosures are expected to be released over the next 12-plus months. Uh, quoting here from uh, Adam, he said, During the pandemic, Dr. Fauci has handsomely profited from his federal employment, from royalties, travel perks, and investment gains. Now, I would generally say that uh, doing well in investments isn't something to be too upset about unless he's invested uh, just ahead of time in places like, I don't know, Pfizer, maybe, you know, something like that. That would be questionable. Anyway, Adam said this on Fox News, on their uh, Fox News Digital uh, today, time of the live broadcast again, being January 18th and a Tuesday. Uh, quoting here, OpenTheBooks.com filed their first Freedom of Information uh, Act, that's a FOIA request, uh, back on January 28th of 2021. Uh, the National Institute for Health acknowledged the request, but remained largely silent for months. They finally heard back in May and received a meager 51 pages of information with redactions. Uh, not included was Dr. Fauci's current employment agreement, including all addendums and modifications, current job description, and confidentiality and conflict of interest documents. Now, Fauci has been taking heat from lawmakers recently who questioned his investments and have accused him of relaying uh, inconsistent advice to the public. As highlighted... Uh, on multiple conservative media outlets, uh, Senator Roger Marshall was called a moron by Fauci on a hot mic after the senator questioned the public health official about documents released by Project Veritas, which, according to the good senator, uh, raised questions about the origin of COVID-19 and what the U.S. government knew about gain-of-function research being conducted at Chinese labs. Now, Marshall also asked Fauci about investments that Fauci had made, which, of course, irritated the good doctor. Podcast host and author, uh, yes, you know her as former hot fox babe Megan Kelly, 
She also criticized Fauci this month for pushing inconsistent and arbitrary lockdown rules. I think we've all made a comment or two. We're all pretty much over Dr. Fauci, uh, believing himself to be both a prophet and a bureaucrat. Kelly, of course, slammed Fauci as exactly that, a prophet bureaucrat, uh, claiming that he lied to the American public, which he did and admitted to. So I don't even know why we have to play uh, little petty cake games here. And like, well, he's alleged of having lied. No, no, it's, it's not an allegation. He admitted to it. He said himself, well, yes, yes, I lied to you about masks in the beginning because we wanted to make sure we would have enough masks for, you know, healthcare professionals. Didn't want you rushing out there and buying them all up and then there wouldn't be any. For crying out loud, we saw what you did with the toilet paper. Which, by the way, you didn't actually do with the toilet paper until after he was already telling you, no, you don't need a mask. Oh, now you need a mask. Oh, now you need two masks. Now you need three masks, four shots, and a uh, pinch of mistletoe. Uh, no, do, do not swallow the mistletoe. That'd be bad. Do not inject bleach into your body. Trump, Trump didn't actually mean that he was just throwing things out there okay anyway quoting here from kelly the truth is that 10 days for quarantining was a made-up standard from the beginning okay uh, seems seems reasonable now kelly of course said this on her show and she was referring to the recent change from the Centers from Disease Control and Prevention, a.k.a. the CDC. This little change in their guidance to cut back the 10-day quarantine frame to five days, so long as you don't have symptoms. She continued by saying, as was the six-feet distancing rule, as was the cloth mask rule, as was the 70% for herd immunity rule, uh, and I could go on. And she could have, and so could we, but well, we're not getting anywhere just spinning our wheels, so we'll move forward. Back to quoting from Kelly here. Uh, the point is, we've been lied to. We have been actively misled. We have been led around like mules on a tether by government bureaucrats like Fauci, who wants to shut down your job while he makes north of $400,000 a year. And we learned this week is set to retire with a pension of over $350,000 a year. These people want to muzzle your kid all day at school while they parade around maskless at dinners and the Met Gala. They want to scare parents into sticking an experimental vaccine into their kids' arms over and over and over. Not one, not two shots, and then a mandatory third. Or no sports, no school, or indoor fun of any kind. Despite the data that unvaccinated young people face a risk far less severe than that of fully vaccinated adults. So the question stands, how much has Fauci made? 
These investments would be a good question. We probably should be made aware. I don't believe the good senator would be asking about these investments if they didn't have some indicator that uh, he had done something that was less than above board. Something that is, at the very least, questionable. You know, there used to be the standard. We've talked about it before. The, the standard used to be the appearance of impropriety. See, if you were going to hold a position of public trust, you had to be above reproach. You had to avoid at all costs even the appearance of impropriety. If there was something that legitimately looked like maybe you were up to something fishy, you were expected to step down on your own without having to be forced, without having to be told, without it taking an action in court or an act of Congress. You were expected to recognize what it was and to be able to say, all right, I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't do what this looks like. But until I can prove that, until I can earn back the trust from those of you that see this and don't believe me anymore, I'm going to step away because this job is too important for me to be a distraction. That used to be the standard. That used to be the expectation. Man, oh man, how much better would things be today if that was still the expectation? How much better would things be today if every elected official and every unelected bureaucrat still operated as that being their prime directive. I must, above all other things, avoid the appearance of impropriety. And that doesn't, by the way, mean uh, go be completely inappropriate and conduct yourself in ways that are immoral and quite possibly illegal. Just be really good at covering up and getting away with it. No, 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 no. It means don't do that. And don't do anything that looks like you might be doing that. that that's kind of an important distinction. Just, you know, when you talk to leftists, you, you have to be clear on these things. I mean, we're literally talking about these efforts to start talking about more and more boosters and let's get all your kids situated. And meanwhile, the World Health Organization said that there's no evidence at all that healthy children and or healthy adolescents need boosters. And we'll talk about that on the other side of the mid-hour break. But it is important to remember that appearance of impropriety. We've been having the same discussion on a completely different topic, the topic of uh, senators and members of the House trading stocks. Nancy Pelosi doesn't want to do anything about it. Why? Because Nancy Pelosi and family have made a ton of money on insider information, information that as Speaker of the House and as Minority Leader in the House, which she has served in both capacities over the last several decades, they've made a fortune. A for Not like she wasn't already wealthy enough, but they made a fortune moving around, making investments, selling or buying based on what they knew were going to happen, based on information she acquired by virtue of her position. So now there's an effort, uh, to a movement about to, to try and uh, make it illegal for, for a member of the House or for the Senate to be able to take advantage of that kind of insider trading information. And Joe Biden, who has made a lot of money through questionable means, I'm looking at you, Hunter. 
he's decided that he's going to stay out of it. He's like, ah, well, you know, it's up to it's up to them to set the rules. They need to deal with that. I, I don't have a dog in that fight. Of course you don't have a dog in that fight because you know that Nancy Pelosi's going to fight tooth and nail against it. You know Chuck Schumer's going to fight tooth and nail against it. And you know that if you can kill it before the midterm elections, you got a chance of preserving the Democrats' greatest tool in becoming individually wealthy. And you also will avoid investigations into how you, Mr. Joe Biden, is spending half a century in D.C., various positions, whether that be as senator or vice president or now current occupant of 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. You don't want people shining a light too brightly on where your big bucks have come from, do you? Because now there's more and more information that continues to come forward about what Hunter Biden was doing and how he was doing it and how much of that ended up in your hands. So, you know, clearly we don't want to have those conversations. So at any rate, like I said, we've uh, got to take that mid-hour break. And then on the other side, we'll talk about the new World Health Organization guidelines. So you guys don't go anywhere. I will be right back right after this brief break. You're listening to Tap Into The Truth. My name's Joe Biden. I keep forgetting I'm president. Because traders, government officials, and high-tech corporations, does China now have a permanent strategic advantage over the United States? Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, brought to you by Constitutional Grounds Coffee, according to Nicholas Chalin, who recently quit his position as Pentagon software chief, China has an overwhelming software advantage over the U.S. military and could shut down our nation's electric grid which would instantly render our republic a third-world nation. Even leftist energy secretary Jennifer Granholm noted that adversaries could shut down our electric grid and that cybersecurity attacks are happening all the time. Former Pentagon software chief Nicholas Chalin believes that China's victory over the United States in technical warfare is a foregone conclusion. Leaders from NATO, the Pentagon, and Taiwan have warned of China's high-tech threat I believe the Chinese threat can be overcome via new variations of software created here in America, which could quickly render China's current advantage null and void. But that won't happen until U.S. Chinese concubines are drummed out of office and corporate America. I'm Ron Edwards. For Constitutional Grounds Coffee, simply go to theronedwards.com. Ron Edwards, the new voice of America. There was once upon a, a time that to be a Republican in this area of the country felt a little bit, by, a bit like being Gary Cooper in high noon, out, outnumbered in a big way. But I remember the story of a fellow who 
was running for office as a Republican and he was in a rural area and it wasn't known to be Republican and he stopped by a farm to do some campaigning and when the farmer heard he was a Republican his jaw dropped and he said wait right here till I go get Ma she's never seen a Republican before <laughs> so he got her and the candidate looked around for a podium from which to give his speech and the only thing he could find was a pile of that stuff that Bess Truman took 35 years trying to get Harry to call fertilizer. <laughs> so he got up on the mound, and when they came back, he gave his speech. And at the end of it, the farmer said, that's the first time I ever heard a Republican speech. And the candidate said, that's the first time I've ever given a Republican speech from a Democratic platform. <laughs> Our Constitution is a document in which we the people tell the government what it is allowed to do. We the people are free. Just a song before I go To whom it may concern It's easy to get burned Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so very much for staying with me through that very brief break. I, of course, am your ever-so-humble and mostly peaceful host, Tim Tapp, and this is Tap Into The Truth. Thank you so much for being here. I greatly appreciate you listening. I really do. Whether you're listening to the podcast or whether you're listening to the rebroadcast of the show on great terrestrial radio stations across the country... Stations like KYAH, Utah's Talk Authority, uh, out there on 5.40 a.m. And, uh, you know, I I keep using them as the example because they are the torchbearer. They are the original terrestrial station to become part of the Tap into the Truth broadcast family. Uh, So glad to have you guys on board. Also want to give shout-outs to The Last Frequency, uh, online platform that brings you uh, the best in talk. They cover Everything. It's a tagline from a previous iteration, uh, but they've got all kinds of great programming. And so check it out sometime, The Last Frequency. Uh, you can find them. I uh, want to go ahead and take the opportunity, too, to remind you that uh, you can listen to me as I join Ron Edwards uh, pretty much every Sunday now on the Edwards and uh, Ron Edwards American Experience. I wanted to say the... Edward's Notebook, because I just played a couple of them here. Uh, but, uh, yeah, the, uh, the Ron Edwards American Experience that you can find Monday through Friday on a multitude of platforms. And then on Sunday, uh, it's live. We get together at 5 p.m. Eastern. You, of course, can adjust to your time zone accordingly. And uh, normally I sit through uh, a couple of segments with him. Uh, it's every now and then it's just one. Uh, but uh, it's usually a, a fun time a show lasts about an hour on each one of these platforms uh monday through friday he starts at 3 p.m eastern uh, but the best way to find what he's up to is to go over to the and from there you can get schedules you can get everything he's doing as far as writing is concerned uh all the special projects he's got going on i recommend you do the same thing uh with 
Southern Sense Talk Radio as well. Uh, you're looking for uh, the Radio Chickadee, uh, or, you know, in my mind, the Radio Conservatarian Chick, or, <laughs> yeah, however you want to play it down. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'm talking about Miss Ann Ubellis, one of the greatest talk show hosts currently in the business. Uh, she is the host of Southern Sense Talk Radio, and uh, you can find her uh, doing the live show on Fridays for three hours. But the uh, the best thing to do to, to discover your preferred method of listening to her show and to see everything else that she's up to, she's a very busy lady too, uh, go visit southern-sense.com. And uh, then when it comes to uh, Don Smith, well, Don Smith has moved his program over to locals, uh, at least that's where he was at last I checked. Uh, he's the kind of guy, he's a mover and shaker, uh, no telling where he will end up at. But uh, if you're looking for uh, Don Smith, go to Locals.com and then do a search for uh, Don. Uh, it's probably the easiest thing to do at that point. You do not want to miss uh, the Don Smith show where it's okay to be a conservative. Yeah, you just don't want to. Or at least you shouldn't want to. All right, real quick, i got to try and sell you something. So uh, let me uh, sneak that in before we get back to the main topic. And in the second hour of today's live broadcast, back in the first hour, I mentioned this really, really great project. It's Candy Bar that they're trying to convince you it's healthy and good for you. It's called Built Bar. Uh, you can check that out from the first hour. Uh, there's a, a link in today's show description. And there's also a link in today's show description for... Blue coolers. Yeah, I know right now it seems really weird to be talking about a cooler and the need to keep ice uh, frozen for up to 10 days, but trust me, trust me, we are uh, nearly, well, I mean, we're past the halfway point of being in through with January, so spring is just around the corner and it is time to start preparing for your outdoor activities. Uh, if you're in the market for a new cooler, uh, this is a perfect time. Uh, if you're not in the market yet, but your cooler is just kind of crappy, uh, you might uh, might need to upgrade. Take a peek at uh, Blue Coolers. Uh, high quality molded coolers. They, Like I said, they've got a 10-day uh, guarantee for keeping your ice frozen. Uh, and uh, most of the coolers will actually do better than that 10 days. They don't guarantee anything further than that. I think I told you about what I tried with mine. I actually ended up getting closer to 15 days before uh, it completely melted. Now, granted, you're going to have some melting, okay, because every time I open it to peak to check it, it kind of let uh, cold air out, warm air in, so then, you know, it's harder for it to maintain. But when I ran my own experiment, I got up to to just just about 15 days now they they guarantee 10 and under most circumstances that's probably what you're going to get but it's a quality product and here's the thing if you want a quality product maybe you're thinking about that uh, cooler brand over there that you know the the uh himalayan uh sasquatch brand you know the one i'm talking about now they're good in fact they're great they are they're, they're really really good at what they do but if you want that level of quality for about half of that cost, the Blue Coolers is the way you ought to go. So, again, uh, check the show description if you're at the podcast. Uh, you will see a link uh, labeled specifically for Blue Coolers. Just copy that link in its entirety, paste that into your web browser, and go visit. Using that link is how they know I sent you. 
please, if you just go look around and decide you're going to buy something later, please go back and use that link again when you go to make the purchase. Because, again, that's how they know I sent you, and that's how I might get just a, a tiny commission by virtue of being an affiliate. Uh, it won't affect your price any at all, but it does help to support the show. And, you know, I, I would appreciate that. You get something you need, doesn't affect your price, and you get to support the show. Eh, it's win-win all the way around. Now, if you're listening via rebroadcast on radio, maybe you don't have that show description in front of you for whatever other reason, uh, then I would recommend you go ahead you know, a little bit later when it's appropriate. Uh, just come visit me at tapintothetruth.com. That's T-A-P-P, tap, my last name, T-A-P-P, into the truth, all one word, dot com. Uh, visit me there, and uh, you will see banners on uh, the homepage, and, and some of the banners are on some of the other pages, too. Uh, just click on the banner. It'll take you there, same as following the link, and they will still know that I'm the one who sent you. Uh, that way, yeah, you know, you get, once again, to check and see uh, your product that you want to go get at Blue Coolers. And uh, I, I get credit for sending you. So even if you don't make a purchase just by going there and visiting, uh, they get to monitor and see how many uh, clicks are coming from my uh, traffic and get to see how much traffic I'm sending their way. And uh, that might still equate to making a legitimate argument for a full-blown sponsorship sometime. Or other. So even if you don't make a purchase, if you just do that for me, uh, there's a good chance that it still could end up supporting the show in a big way later. So, you know, just saying. Now, before I talk myself too far down the road and I don't get to the story, I would like to do a, a brief mention of uh, the MyPillows uh, situation. CEO of my pillows is being debanked. It's not going to work out for the bank because Mike Lindell is just a little too famous. He's got too big of a public following. But again, this is much like what they tried to do with the general uh, late last year. Bigger bank. And this still has to do with your uh, social scoring. This is something they are already doing in investment banking. And banks think that now having certain clients hurts their scores. So this is going to affect you. And if you think it's not, if you think the Great Reset is a bunch of hooey, if you think it's some tinfoil hat theory, then explain to me why Mike Landell has to worry about uh, his bank trying to get him to close down an account because they don't want to be associated with him. It's a real thing. So anyway, that being said, let's get to this last story that I promised you. Uh, headline here says that the World Health Organization, no evidence at all that healthy children or adolescents need boosters. Sounds like something that, I don't know, maybe, maybe a lot of reasonable and somewhat intelligent folks who can read a report uh, has been saying for a while now. I, I seem to recall... You know, not to, not to toot my own horn, but since nobody else is going to do it for me, I seem to recall me saying this a few times on air. In fact, if you didn't hear it, you, know, you can go back into the archives. I'm sure you'll come across it. Anyway, uh, on today, Tuesday, that being January 18th, 
The World Health Organization's top scientist said during a media briefing that there's no evidence, none, zip, nada, okay, he just said, she just said no evidence, that healthy children and adolescents need booster shots and that the goal needs to be protecting specific vulnerable populations. Quoting here, the aim is to protect the most vulnerable, to protect those at highest risk of severe disease and dying. Now, this, of course, is the WHO's chief scientist, uh, Okay, uh, I'm just going to butcher her name, so I'm not going to, to try it again. I, I just did. It embarrassed myself. I'm so sorry. Anyway, the WHO's chief scientist continued by saying, those are our elderly populations, the immunocompromised, people with underlying conditions, but also healthcare workers, because if a lot of healthcare workers get infected, as we see now, they can be out sick and we don't want them getting severely ill. She added, there's no evidence right now that healthy children or healthy adolescents need boosters. No evidence at all. It's important to reiterate this because there's a lot of folks that are going to hear this and they're still not going to listen. There's a lot of folks that are going to kind of dismiss this. Now they're going to start saying that the HWO is just spreading misinformation. And, hey, Tim, by the way, why are you now quoting the HWO when you spent so much time just a few short months ago talking about how they were bought and paid for and controlled by China? How they were, in fact, just putting out misinformation or covering up. Well, that's true. So, again, you have to take the source for what it's worth. But there does come a point where you see them move away from the clearly untrue narrative and then towards something that clearly is true. And, and you know it's true because now they're trying to protect their boy. You know, all these folks are trying to protect Biden. And now all of a sudden, it's no longer important that we count everybody who shows up at the hospital with COVID as being there because of COVID. Now we get to make that distinction. People like me, people like Glenn Beck, people like Ben Shapiro, uh, people like Everybody I know, we were trying to make that distinction months ago. It feels like years ago now. In fact, it's been more than a year. So I guess saying years would be okay. We've been saying this stuff for a while now. There is a distinction. There is a difference. I'm sorry. Somebody that dies from a gunshot wound who just happened to test positive for COVID, they, that was not a COVID death. Oh, we're counting it anyway. They had it. It would have killed them if the gun hadn't got them first. You, you know that? Looks like he had some comorbidities. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think that's kind of the point. You don't know. Anyway, Dr. Michael Ryan, executive director for the Who's Health Emergencies Program, Dr. Ryan said that they have not determined how many doses of the vaccine uh, that they will say people need or how often people will need to get shots. If you'll recall this big knee-jerk reaction for boosters, it kind of felt like an attempt to cover up the failure of just getting the initial vaccinations. You're getting these jabs up front, and now all of a sudden you're getting breakthrough cases. Delta started breakthrough cases. It wasn't nearly as successful at breakthroughs as Omicron is, but thankfully Omicron is 
and not particularly hazardous. It's an upper respiratory infection. It's basically like getting a cold. It still is in the, the same family of viruses that cause a cold, uh, COVID. But, uh, you know, the coronaviruses are this whole family. But uh, neither here nor there. Ryan continued by saying, quote, I think people do have a certain fear out there that this booster thing is going to be like every two or three months and everyone's going to have to go and get a booster. And I don't think we have the answer to that yet. Okay, that seems reasonable enough. Of course, you have to be a little wary when people are trying to be the reasonable sounding people in the room because usually that means they're anything. But so it just doesn't mean he's not. Just means uh, pay pay attention. Uh, CNBC reported, "quote He said scientists may eventually redefine how many doses are required in the primary series of COVID shots. While most healthy people may need just two shots, he said the elderly or immunocompromised may need three or four. Now between both of these individuals." Uh, their comments came roughly two weeks after the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention approved booster shots for adolescents aged 12 to 17 amid the current surge in coronavirus cases due to the highly contagious Omicron variant. Okay, so the remarks come as the Omicron variant of the coronavirus is rapidly spreading across the world, leading to a surge of cases while also appearing not to be uh, particularly deadly, certainly not as deadly as some previous strains. Joe Biden promised on the campaign trail that he would shut down the virus. Yet, under his <coughs> leadership... I, I can't say it with a straight face. Can, can, can somebody in the back say leadership? Yeah, yeah, I'm talking about Joe Biden. What? Okay, no, they can't do it either. So... <laughs> Uh, nobody can, can say with a straight face leadership uh, connected to Joe Biden. Uh, sorry. Anyway, under his uh, administration, uh, cases have skyrocketed to new heights, and more Americans now have technically died from the coronavirus under his term in office than died under the former president, uh, Donald John Trump. You know, the kicker of puppies, the eater of babies, the climate arsonist, the, the orange man who was bad. You know that guy. Now, Biden's approval ratings in a left-of-center mainstream poll cratered to 33% last week as Americans grapple with the continuing pandemic, supply chain issues, inflation, and other issues. What other issues? If you got another issue, then you're not paying enough attention to those issues. If you got another issue, uh, either you have an extreme individual uh, catastrophe going on in your life, which, you know, I, for some folks that may be going on, uh, maybe a storm blew a tree through your living room, you know, it, stuff happens. A lot of weather-related stuff been happening. But, you know, all this kind of circles back around. I don't see a reason to keep rehashing that Biden is not capable of shutting down the virus, no matter how many times he says it. I do think it's important to note that the WHO 
and the CDC have made it pretty clear that all their previous recommendations were based on political concerns. And their new recommendations, where they're shortening the quarantine times and and trying to add more boosters as being mandatory, and let's get all them kids uh, hooded up with the jab, and, and let's do all this stuff, despite the fact that there is still increasing numbers of relatively healthy adolescents and and younger people that are developing the enlarged heart condition. We now have evidence that uh, women in childbearing years are having their menstrual cycles uh, adjusted, interfered with, presumably again by the the shots. This is not something that's debated because, of course, there's there's no debate allowed. We're not allowed to discuss it. We're not allowed to, to, to mention that there might be something going on that maybe there's a reason legitimately that if you're opposed to, to getting the vaccine, you might have a good reason for it. Now, we're not allowed to talk about that. We're not allowed to talk about natural immunity. We're not allowed to insist that... Uh, politicians are really just trying to be tyrants as opposed to genuinely being concerned about our well-being. We're not allowed to have those conversations, not on social media, uh, not over the phone lines. They're monitoring. Uh, it makes us a domestic terrorist if we talk about the fact that uh, you don't need a third jab. So here we are. Political concerns again. All the changes and the guidance, it's not based on science. There is no science that's been involved with this. Politicians doing political games. That's where we're at with these folks. I don't particularly like it. I would like to see it come to an end. I, 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 would like, if at all possible... For us to return to common sense. I would like for us to return to, when it comes to a medical issue, uh, that politics would put aside. That the media, and if any politicians had to get involved, that the politicians were all doing one simple thing. Trying their best to get the absolute best information available into the hands of the most people as quickly as possible so that they can do their own risk assessment, so they can make their own decisions because they, dadgummit, live in the United States of America and we still have at the very least the pretense of looking like a free country. Is that really where we are? I'll have to let you decide. All I know for sure is that when it comes right down to it, you can't always get what you want. And in this particular case, I don't seem to be able to get what I want. But I'm one of just many, many Americans that would definitely love for this to be the new standard. You know, just a basic return to common sense. If it's a health issue, let's treat it like a health issue. Let's not politicize or over politicize and then there may be room for political operatives to get involved and to try to help 
create a better environment. I mean, those things exist. Lots and lots of places have had mental health facilities shut down. Uh, So if there was a way to get some of these opened back up and just provide quality mental care for those who needed it, uh, that would be a good thing. That would be a good example of how politics could work to better the circumstance. But even then, you have to be careful. you got to keep an eye on these folks and make sure that they're not defining uh, health patients, mental health patients, uh, anyone that believes the Constitution was a good idea. Okay, let's, let's will you in. Uh, sadly, we can't let you out until we cure you of this crazy notion. <laughs> so there we are. Medicine and politics forever joined together because that's that's the risk you get when you socialize medicine. That's part of why we speak out so loudly here against socialized medicine. That's why I still randomly bring up the name Charlie Gard, literally the poster child for why you should never have socialized medicine. Again, I don't have enough time to go back into it again who he is, but I mentioned him enough that if you're a regular listener to the show, uh, then you know who Charlie Gard is. And even if you don't remember right offhand, I know the name sounds familiar, uh, rare mitochondrial uh, disorder that the British health system, they refused to release this child into the care of his parents. They refused to let them try experimental treatments when all they had to do was say okay here you go here's your child there's nothing else we can do anyway nope they had to prove that they were in charge they had to prove that they had the power over the parents refused to let it happen that boys and girls is why you should not allow socialized medicine and that is going to have to be where i leave it for tonight so thank you once again for listening you have made it to the end that makes you part of a very special group of people pat yourself on the back you get a gold star in the meanwhile don't take my word for it definitely definitely don't take their word for it be prepared to put in some effort and most importantly use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. In the meanwhile, you guys uh, stay as safe as possible. Stay healthy if you can. And uh, be smart out there, guys. Even if it goes against your nature. I'm out. using both hands 
Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.